0: Book One, Chapter One, of the Late Mr. Jonathan Wild the Great. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The History of the Life of the Late Mr. Jonathan Wild the Great. By Henry Fielding. Book One, Chapter One. SHOWING THE WHOLESOME USES DRAWN FROM RECORDING THE ACHIEVEMENTS OF THOSE WONDERFUL PRODUCTIONS OF NATURE CALLED GREAT MEN. AS IT IS NECESSARY THAT ALL GREAT AND SURPRISING EVENTS, THE DESIGN OF WHICH ARE LAID, CONDUCTED, AND BROUGHT TO PERFECTION BY THE UTMOST FORCE OF HUMAN INVENTION AND ART, SHOULD BE PRODUCED BY GREAT AND eminent MEN so the lives of such may be justly and properly styled quintessence of history in these when delivered to us by sensible writers we are not only most agreeably entertained but most usefully instructed for besides the attaining hence a consummate knowledge of human nature in general of its secret springs Various windings and perplexed mazes, we have here before our eyes lively examples of whatever is amiable or detestable, worthy of admiration or abhorrence, and are consequently taught, in a manner infinitely more effectual than by precept, what we are eagerly to imitate or carefully to avoid. But, besides the two obvious advantages of surveying, as it were, in a picture, the true beauty of virtue and deformity of vice, we may, moreover, learn from Plutarch, Nepos, Seutonius, and other biographers, this useful lesson, not too hastily, nor in the gross, to bestow either our praise or censure, since we shall often find such a mixture of good and evil in the same character, that it may require a very accurate judgment, and a very elaborate inquiry, to determine on which side the balance turns. For, though we sometimes meet with an Aristides or a Brutus, a lysander or a nero yet far the greater number are of the mixed kind neither totally good nor bad their greatest virtues being obscured and allayed by their vices and those again softened and colored over by their virtues of this kind was the illustrious person Whose history we now undertake, to whom, though nature had given the greatest and most shining endowments, she had not given them absolutely pure and without allay. Though he had much of the admirable in his character, as much perhaps as is usually to be found in a hero, I will not yet venture to affirm that he was entirely free from all defects or that the sharp eyes of censure could not spy out some little blemishes lurking amongst his many great perfections. We would not therefore be understood to effect giving the reader a perfect or consummate pattern of human excellence, but rather by faithfully recording some little imperfections which shadowed over the lustre of those great qualities which we shall here record, to teach the lesson we have above mentioned, to induce our reader with us to lament the frailty of human nature, and to convince him that no mortal, after a thorough scrutiny, can be a proper object of our admiration. But before we enter on this great work, we must endeavour to remove some errors of opinion which mankind have, by the disingenuity of writers, contracted. For these, from their fear of contradicting the absolute and absurd doctrines of a set of simple fellows, called, in derision, sages, or philosophers, have endeavoured, as much as possible, to confound the ideas of greatness and goodness, whereas no two things can possibly be more distinct from each other, for greatness consists in bringing all manner of mischief on mankind, and goodness in removing it from them. It seems, therefore, very unlikely that the same person should possess them both, and yet nothing is more usual with writers who find many instances of greatness in their favourite hero than to make him a compliment of goodness into the bargain and this without considering that by such means they destroy the great perfection called uniformity of character in the histories of alexander and caesar we are frequently and indeed impertinently reminded of their benevolence and generosity of their clemency and kindness when the former had with fire and sword overrun a vast empire had destroyed the lives of an immense number of innocent wretches had scattered ruin and desolation like a whirlwind we are told as an example of his clemency that he did not cut the throat of an old woman and ravish her daughters, but was content with only undoing them. And when the mighty Caesar, with wonderful greatness of mind, had destroyed the liberties of his country, and with all the means of fraud and force had placed himself at the head of his equals, had corrupted and enslaved the greatest people whom the sun ever saw we are reminded as an evidence of his generosity of his largesses to his followers and tools by whose means he had accomplished his purpose and by whose assistance he was to establish it now who does not see that such sneaking qualities as these are rather to be bewailed as imperfections than admired as ornaments in these great men, rather obscuring their glory, and holding them back in their race to greatness, indeed unworthy the end for which they seem to have come into the world, viz. of perpetrating vast and mighty mischief. We hope our reader will have reason justly to acquit us OF ANY SUCH CONFOUNDING IDEAS, IN THE FOLLOWING PAGES, IN WHICH, AS WE ARE TO RECORD THE ACTIONS OF A GREAT MAN, SO WE HAVE NOWHERE MENTIONED ANY SPARK OF GOODNESS WHICH HAD DISCOVERED ITSELF EITHER FAINTLY IN HIM, OR MORE GLARINGLY IN ANY OTHER PERSON, BUT AS A MEANNESS AND IMPERFECTION, DISQUALIFYING THEM FOR UNDERTAKINGS WHICH LEAD TO HONOR, AND ESTEEM AMONG MEN, AS OUR HERO HAD AS LITTLE AS PERHAPS IS TO BE FOUND OF THAT MEANNESS, INDEED ONLY ENOUGH TO MAKE HIM PARTAKER OF THE IMPERFECTION OF HUMANITY, INSTEAD OF THE PERFECTION OF diabolism. WE HAVE VENTURED TO CALL HIM THE GREAT. NOR DO WE DOUBT BUT OUR READER, WHEN HE HATH PERUSED HIS STORY, Will concur with us in allowing him that title. End of Book One, Chapter One. Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California, for LibriVox.